this week on the podcast. We close out Spooktober with one of the most influential Nintendo Entertainment System slash Famicom games of all time that you've never heard of, or you probably have heard of if you're listening to this podcast. It's a horror RPG. It's called Sweet Home, and it's being added to the endless list on It's So Bad. we talked about this game for a long time and we finally got around to playing it <laughs> we sure did was it worth was, was it worth all the chatter we'll find out what, was it worth the talk <laughs> it's uh you can subscribe to this on itunes google podcast spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcast from at it's so bad pod uh is the twitter it's so bad pod at gmail.com is the email address for all of your questions comments suggestions whatever you'd like to do this is our 139th game added to the endless list last week we added resident evil at number four resident evil four at number four and yes this is our last game of spooktober it's been a tremendous spooktober Let's be real. A real roller coaster. Right? We had we had Dark Castle becoming uh, the worst game of all time. It'll probably long may it rain. Resident Evil Four. Like I mean, it's very rare we we had a top five game. Apparently, we only do it in October. Apparently, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you were crunching some numbers behind the scenes. But uh, and then yeah. and then here we are. We had Alone in the Dark, uh, the movie. Yep. Uh, what a what a. That brought us all a little bit closer together. Trauma does bring people closer together sometimes. And uh, uh, you know, this is this, this is our fourth Spooktober. No, it's our third Spooktober. Wait, because I feel like we didn't really theme. I feel like the the first October we probably didn't theme too much. We may have like done like a a spooky game in there, but um, yeah, this is our th- our third Spooktober. Last year we only did two because mm. we had our best of the best. So we did Zombies Ate My Neighbors and Alien Isolation. The year before that we did Phantasmagoria, Eternal Darkness, um, and Luigi's Mansion. Oh, that was that's a good that's a good theme month. Yeah, yeah. This is a, oh, this is a yeah, good theme a... month. I feel like uh, I'll I'll push hard for a monster party on the NES to be a to be one next next year. That's a that's a fun yeah. game. fun game. I like Friday the Thirteenth too. That's a good oh, one too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're adding um, this week's Sweet Home, the Famicom game, the Nintendo of Japan uh, game, Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, RPG from the year 1989, the same year that brought us Castlevania 3, DuckTales, Super Mario Land. I think that was the year that the Game Boy launched. Uh, Batman, Final Fight, Mother, the original Mother, uh, River City Ransom, SimCity, Bonk's Adventures, and Blazing Lasers, which is one of my favorite shoot em, shoot em ups of all time. Hmm. That's actually interestingly those those games came out the same year. Like as I, as I think about it, I feel like they look like some of those games can look like the more, for lack of a better term, I'll say like advanced looking Nintendo games. And I feel like this did not really like this felt like like a Nintendo game that appearance wise to me looked like. You know, I feel like you know you look at a game like Batman. I think like everything looks great, albeit purple. But like, um, it's like I feel like the Nintendo like is really being maximized to its capabilities, and uh, 
Yeah. This looks a little earlier than that. I think that the graphics in this game are pretty good. I think that the when you add in the the menuing system, it kind of makes it feel really old mm, yeah. for the time period. Yeah. Um, but yeah, released on the Famicom, never came over to the United States. It's our second um, Japan exclusive game that's on our list. Do you remember the other one? Uh, Portopia Serial Murder. Yep, another Famicom exclusive. Portopia Serial Murder Case, which we added way back in June of, of 2020. Um, but yeah, so uh, Sweet Home, it's an RPG. It's horror-themed RPG, 100% inspired by Dragon Quest. Yes. It's a very Dragon Quest-ass Dragon Quest game. Um, directed by Tokuro Fujibara, who previously made before this Ghosts and Goblins, Commando, Bionic Commando, Mega Man 2, and Strider. Um, so he was he uh, was tasked in creating this. And this is really interesting development history because... Um, it was made alongside of the movie of the same name, Sweet Home. That was a J- Japanese movie. Uh, so the director of this movie, Kiyoshi Kurosawa, he um, was the supervisor on this this game. And uh, Juzo Itami, who was the producer on the movie, was also a producer on the video game. Hmm. So they were and and uh, Tokuro Fujiwara was on the set while they were filming this this movie, and he outlined the uh, plot based upon plots from from the video game hmm. so it's it I th- this might be like the first instance of that ever happening where a video game was made alongside of a a, a movie i mean how many like like there's a ton of video game movies that are kind of made like you know as like a marketing item coming out with the movie but like i feel like they don't really have like that tie-in like that or like that proximity like that i can't really think of like others that have the that are known to have like that sort of proximity like off the top of my head at least at least anyway there definitely are i can't think of them off the top of my head but there was a lot around the ps2 era where they were made in conjunction with each other Mm. uh some i think some super nintendo games as well um, I guess but, I yeah, maybe so like this... how like novels get like they get like an early version of like a shooting script and like that's just what they got to work off of. But yeah, yeah. But I this was even more than that because the director and the producer were supervisors right. on the making of the video game. So um, yeah, so Juzo Itami, who was the producer on this uh, Sweet Home the movie, he uh, also directed a movie called Tampopo. Are you familiar with Tampopo? Nope. Oh my god, you should watch that movie. It's very good. It's about a ramen shop. It's like one of the all-time Japanese movies. That sounds a little bit more familiar. But but like the they show people eating ramen and it's like if you watch the movie you're like, "Oh my god, I just want to eat ramen after watching this cuz it's filmed so well to show <laughs> people like eating ramen well." Um but yeah, they and the way they talk about it is like so over the top, they're like, oh, these luscious ramen noodles that we have are cooked too finely perfection. <laughs> and it's just so over the top. It's so good. It's very, it's a very good movie. All right. But yeah, Juzo Itami directed Tampopo. He was also in the movie. He was an actor in the movie. There's like seven people in the whole movie. Actors and actresses, I think. Um, because it's um, like the game. You have five party members. Um, who are in in the movie? There's Kazuo, Emi, Akiko, Asuka, and Taguchi. Um, and having played some of this game, Chris, do you know the relationships of any of these people? Uh, no, but I've been a little spoiled because you told me in our group chat. But uh, I okay. feel I felt like there was 
Well, I didn't finish the game, but I did watch like some videos of the endings, and I feel like it's a little bit more almost clearly stated that they're a family or some people are family members, but yeah. Not, so Kazuo, Kazuo is Emmy's father. Akiko is the like producer of this. So the whole plot is that. Um, this video team is going to a house that's abandoned to take uh, take videos and pictures of these this fresco that this artist whose name is Mamiya um, Ichiro Mamiya um, he made these frescoes famous famous painter in Japan uh, I don't know if he actually exists probably doesn't I don't think he does um, but they go to take take pictures of the the fresco and they get trapped in this mansion the Mamiya mansion. Um, where there are evil spirits lurking. And so Kazuo is the dad um, who works with Akiko, who's a producer. Emmy is the daughter who tags along. Uh, Asuka is like the on-screen talent, but also the she's like a restorationist, um, which is why she has a vacuum in the game. <laughs> yeah. She va- vacuums the dust off the frescoes. I feel like uh, that's a detail that uh, must be in the movie that is not translated well to the game, because I was always like, why does she have a vacuum? She has a, it's very, it's like very clear in the movie that her thing is that she vacuums them. (laughs) (laughs) And then to go to Gucci, who has the camera is the cameraman. So he has a video camera in the, in the movie, not a photo camera. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that's, so I was going to say like in the game, it's a photo camera, right? Like it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So in the game, you have five party members. Uh, The whole thing about the game is that, um, so very much like Dragon Quest, but you—it's kind of like Metroidvania. Um, you have five part, you have five people that you can play as, three party members at any time. So you have to like balance exploring with three people with leaving two people behind, um, and that is kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And each of the uh, members of your party has a unique item that they can use to solve. Uh, puzzles and and do progression in the game so kazuo has a lighter emmy has a key akiko has a medical kit and she's the only one that can cure poison um asuka has a vacuum and taguchi has a camera Uh, the lighter you use to like traverse ropes the key you use to obviously open doors uh the vacuum you use to like sweep up glass which is an impenetrable barrier and taguchi has a camera which allows you to like um photograph frescoes which gives you clues on how to proceed and go further into the game yeah this is a um this is this is a hard one because i feel like it's so it's such a creative game but i feel like it's almost like too creative for its own good and thus like i think we're probably going to talk a little bit like some game mechanics that uh make it a little bit more cumbersome than like a smooth experience yeah the, the number one thing is that everybody in your party they have three slots for inventory and you need to carry around a lot of things in order to progress. So there's like boards to get over open gaps and there's ropes and there's other tonics to uh, replenish your health. And there's only three slots in your inventory. So it's like difficult to manage um, the inventory in this game. And and one slot is dedicated to weapons too. One slot is dedicated to a weapon and one slot is dedicated to uh, your key item right. that will never leave if you have that person um, in your party. Um, but you, th- so there's key items, that, but there's permanent permanent death right. in this game. So if you if you lose a party member, they die forever, um, and so you can't use their item. But you very quickly at the start of the game find 
substitutes. So like people can carry around an additional item. You'll find like a lighter somewhere and a key and a medical kit and a vacuum, etc. pretty quickly into this game, like within an, an hour or two. So, um, but yeah, that's permadeath in this game. And the one thing that's really difficult about this game is that, um, there's no like healing spells. The kit only heals poison. Um, and then you have 21 tonics in the entire game. <laughs> yeah. So to- tonic replenishes your health. There's 21 in the entire game. This game is like eight hours long. So, um, good luck to you. It gets, <laughs> it's, it's actually like in terms of the actual gameplay, it's not, the progression is not super hard. There's like one spot at the very beginning when a zombie attacks you. And that part is difficult. Mm. Like there's a very big, like, um, RPG wall, like the Island in final fantasy six, uh, type. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. The floating Island thing, um, where there's like a huge spike of difficulty, but that's really it. There's nothing else beyond that. That was really super, uh, going to kill you very quickly in terms of an enemy that you encounter. It's just more of like the attrition, uh, you getting worn right. down by a lot right. of different enemies. Right. I'll say, I'll say to its credit, I didn't find that like the random encounter rate was super high for this game. Uh, compared no, to like other JRPGs, no, and I think that's good. I mean, like, I think the challenge of this game is there's a lot of good kind of like brain teaser style puzzles to kind of like advance the game. In, in part because like you have so many unique characters with like unique items and kind of getting the right combination right and in removing certain barriers to kind of advance the story. Like, I think that is you know that felt very satisfying whenever like you completely like, a little puzzle and stuff like that, but. Yeah. And it's like, but, you know, you may need, like, a little bit extra time to do it, and then, like, yeah, you might get worn down by, like, granted, a low right. random encounter rate, but still, like, one that can kind of chip away at you, and, yeah, and you couldn't heal yourself. And that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough spot to be in with a game like this. Yeah, within the, the, within the actual combat, too, there's, so you can attack, you can use tools, so some of the, like, lighter or some of the other tools that you pick up, um, they actually do really good damage mm-hmm. along the way um, to, some, to certain enemies, depending on the enemy type. Um, but there's, there's a couple of mechanics to talk about. One is prey, so prey, like, powers up your characters, and you have, like, a limited supply of prey that you only get back if you use a tonic. Um, so that's, that's something it's kind of like a magical attack sort of, but you're praying. Yeah. I, uh, I burned through that way too quickly. And, uh, the first time I started up this game, then I realized I was like, I was not supposed to burn it as quickly as I was early on. <laughs> yeah. And then also you can use call, which is like, when you start playing it, you're like, what the fuck does this mean? But essentially what it means is if you hit it, you call a nearby party member who you can guide, you have to like exit back out of the combat and you have to walk them to the battle and they can get into battles along the way, but they can join the fight. Yeah. So you can have a fight with all five party members if you want, if they're all close by, you just call them and they help you out. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's a lot of like cool mechanics and cool ideas and a very, it feels like a very, you know, game that has made like a lot of passion, but I feel like uh, also these are not the most enjoyable mechanics as they're playing out in real time. <laughs> I, I will say the thing that I did not enjoy about this is the how you interact with this game is through Dragon Quest style menus. And they're all, and I feel like even the button presses that you do to advance in those menus are like off. They're like, it's, it's like reversed or something. But uh, so I always would like X out of the menus, but there's like, 
you have to menu into stuff to get to the items and it's a certain button. And then if you hit it, like select or another button, it takes you to a different, different screen. And the menus are just very, like you have to be heads down in that game in order to, for them to make logical sense. You have to like deal with it for a couple hours. Right. And it's, it's like, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was like, there was something like, like the use command, but also like, one of the other commands, I feel like you could kind of use it changeably, and you might just get the wrong one. And then, like, if you're picking up a weapon, like, it takes you, like, if, like, the first time I was playing the game, like, you know, I have a manual with me, but so it's like, I'm trying to pick up weapons, and I'm like, oh, I can't, like, equip, like, this weapon to anybody, because it's not clearly stated that, like, the yeah, very bottom first slot specific... is, like, your yeah. weapon slot. And, so... and then some, even some weapons you can't equip to certain characters. For some right, reason. right, and it's also like not really. You do get like some like tips along the way that basically say, like, "Hey, some of the key items that like your characters hold can be used as items in in combat." Like, like oh, like the lighter is great for the worms or whatever the magnets yeah, or whatever the, it was. The lighter is great for the worms. Yeah, the lighter is awesome. <laughs> I fuck those worms. Those worms <laughs> give you bo- poison. I hate those yeah. worms. I will say though, also in thinking about the worms. Um, the sprite art on the enemies I thought was pretty good. Um, oh, so, absolutely! Like, the, wor- the, the bed of worms. That like, was just, like, like the death animations and the the yeah, like all that stuff. That's a that's a highlight. I thought the music was was great, especially that kind of like pounding droning music at the very beginning of the game. I thought that yeah. was fantastic. You should uh, um, after this the um, battle theme is the the main theme of the movie. And the score of the main theme in like with like real audio is very good. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's just it's 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 a definitely a highlight. Um, but yeah, so the story of this game is that again we talked about it. There's a video team going to the Mimi Mansion. While they're there, um, they discover that things have gone awry, and you find out through the course of the game that um, Mamiya, the artist, his wife went mad, um, and she lit the furnace with her baby inside. Mm. Yes. So the baby, so it was explained in the movie that the baby just learned to walk and was, was playing inside the furnace. <laughs> like what? As all kids do. <laughs> how, first off, how big is your fucking furnace that you can walk around inside the furnace? Well, I assume it's like one of those like home alone style furnaces. That's just, Oh God. I, I, but I, even like walking around that, can you walk around inside that? I'm pretty sure you could tell that your baby was in there. Right. So, so um, yeah, she killed the baby, and while she was trying to save the baby, she disfigured herself. Um, and then it gets worse because so the the mother went mad. Um, she she went on a rampage where she stole children from the local villagers, and she burned them inside the furnace, incinerating them because she wanted her son, her dead son, to have friends to play with. She's looking out, you know. That's all. <laughs> and so then the the wife is confronted by the village villagers who are angry, and she kills herself inside the furnace. So the furnace is like a big deal in this. Okay. In this yeah. uh, this movie. Um,
But yeah, um, so you are, so in the video game, when you're in there, the whole story is told to you through notes. Um, you pick up notes on the ground. Um, and then there are some NPCs in the game. There's one specifically um, in the middle section of the game is an old man who helps you. And in the movie, he's a, uh, she, they like leave the mansion at one point and they have to get gas um, because they haven't figured out that it's haunted yet. And he's like the guy who's like, that that mansion's haunted. And he's got like a little <laughs> idol and he's like, you can't go back there. Um, so he helps you out in the game at one point. Um, and that's also Juzo Itami, who's the producer of this movie. Uh, the movie of movie, producer of the movie and the game, the movie is like real weird. So there's like not a lot of people in the whole movie. I think there might be like ten people in the cast altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, five the five film crew who are going. There's like two locals at the beginning of the movie where they're like talking to them, and they're like, "Yeah, you shouldn't go up to the mansion." And then the guy's like, "Well." If he dies, that's a lot of publicity for us. And if he lives, then he's going to get on TV and we're going to get even more publicity. So you should go to the mansion. Yeah. It's pretty. It's a pretty funny scene. Um, but then there's also the uh, mechanic who's the owner of the, the gas station, um, who's Yamamura, I believe is his name. But in the whole movie, only three people die. The whole movie. Spoilers. Oh, well, you know, in this game, four people can die, at least. So. <laughs> yeah. So, well, all five can die, but then you're... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you can beat the game uh, with, with one. And then, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You get, you get different endings for um, for each. I, again, uh, YouTubed all of them prior to recording this. Uh, What's the uh, endings? So, what are the differences in the endings? So, if you survive with all all five party members, it's um, they go and they, they file a report. Now, it's a little unclear to me who they are filing a report to. But they're filing a report about, like, what they uncovered at the mansion and, like... And, like, all five family members or party members are, like, talking to, like, someone in the ending whose, like, face is, like, their back is to you the whole time. And then they go, like, basically, like, oh, yeah, great report. And then the person turns around and half their face is a skeleton. And they're just <laughs> dead. So, like, I don't know if that means, like, that then they all got killed by some demon thing. I don't know. But if it's, I think if it's four or, th- you have four or three people alive so in all the endings, the house crumbles. Like, whoever survives runs out of the house, the house crumbles, and then it goes to wherever the ending is. And then I think if it's four or three, um, they show these, like, like spirits, like, lights coming out of, like, the wreckage. And, like, oh, it's all the people we lost along the way. Like, you know, moving on to the afterlife. And then if only one person survives, they build a monument to all the dead party members, like, outside of the wreckage. With like a note, basically, don't let this happen again. And uh, so, like, they're all like they're all actually fairly good endings. What they are, although I guess it is definitely implied in the best ending that uh, everyone gets killed by some demon. So, yeah, oh, nice. So um, you know, no, nothing's nothing's really no, super happy. But that's there's some weird cool. <laughs> there, there, there's some weird shit in this game. At one point, you have to dig up the remains of the baby. Um, oh yeah, and bring them back to the house. Yeah. So and that happen that happens in the movie too. Um, so. Yeah, fucked up. It's a fucked up game, uh, just in general. It's very, it's cool. It's super interesting. Like, but um, at the end of the day, like the gameplay for me was, it wasn't enough to keep drawing me back, right, and like right. the story wasn't enough for me to keep going in the progression, especially dealing with all of the menus um, that they had. But 
One thing, big thing that we didn't talk about in, in thinking about this game and how we're going to score it for our, our ranking is that this game was the basis for the original Resident Evil. Um, so Resident Evil uh, was produced, the first one, uh, by, uh, what's, what's his name, Tokuro Fujiwara, who was at, at Capcom. Um, and he chose uh, the person that makes the Resident Evil games. I keep forgetting his name. Uh, Shinji Mikami. He chose Shinji Mikami to make Resident Evil. And the reason why he chose Shinji Mikami was because he was uh, had the ability to be frightened. Okay. Literally, that's... Because he asked him, he's like, do you get scared? And he's like, yeah, sometimes some shit scares me. And he asked him to describe what scared him. And he was like, yeah, that's scary. And then he was like, okay, you understand fear. You can make Resident Evil. But the game was originally conceived of as a remake for Sweet Home. Um, and I think they changed it while they were in the middle of development. And I don't think there's a lot that is written about it in terms of how they made that decision. Or mm -hmm. there hasn't been very many interviews. But... A lot of stuff that was in Sweet Home would be translated to Resident Evil. Well, first off, the just the mansion aesthetic, but also the um, characters and a lot of the gameplay in particular were very much inspired by uh, Sweet Home. So obviously they get rid of the RPG aesthetic to be more of an action-based uh, game, but things like the inventory management are directly lifted from Sweet Home. They have a limited number of inventory slots in Re Resident Evil and you need to use them. Um, in Resident Evil, which I didn't even think about until I read about it, um, Jill Valentine starts with a lockpick. Oh, Chris yeah. Redfield starts with a lighter. <laughs> Rebecca Chambers is a medic. So, like, even oh, that stuff. Oh, Jesus, I didn't think of that. Um, yeah. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> and then in, then in Resident Evil, like this game, the majority of the story is told through notes that you find in the environment. Um, and there, you know, there's all the, all, of course, all of the progression mechanics where you need to solve puzzles in order to um, move forward comes from there. So, like, um, in this game, for example, you need to find an axe and take out the axe from one night and put it into another axe, which is, like, 100% uh, all of the Resident Evil right, puzzles right, are just, right, just like right. that shit. Um, <clears throat> there's also, like, um, what, what else is there? That's directly listed. Well, oh, I'll say, the, I'll say the doors. There's a mis the doors. Oh, yeah. That that was like the one thing that was like, okay, yeah. This is like a Resident Evil tribute to this. But I'm going to say, there's a real missed opportunity here to give Leon a vacuum in future games. And uh, <laughs> that's really should be. Should be Which brings up a good point. Chris, do you think that this game was influential upon Luigi's Mansion? Uh, I have not played a lot of Luigi's Mansion, but I feel like I feel like amongst Japanese video game creators, it seems like there's so many interviews you read and just so many people who say, oh, Sweet Home was like such a good inspiration to me growing up in that I feel like there's probably some sort of tie to Luigi's Mansion mansion coming up right now. <laughs> well that's that's the vacuum. They have the, the oh, Luigi. Oh, has... <laughs> yeah, okay. Well yeah, so like I said, having 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 not played Luigi's Mansion, that was lost on me, but um, yeah, I mean, can't deny it. like it's it's clearly for a lot of video game creators in Japan like very influential game. But um, yeah. well, you know, I'll save it for the ranking. <laughs> um, it didn't release in North America, and there's probably some people like have theories about why. There's no like official reason why it wasn't released in North America, but there's a couple of reasons that stand out. One that it was super violent and graphic in nature. It because it was there's a lot of like blood. And people dying and things like that. Yeah, but we also Which got um, 
God, what's like the game that comes after Deja Vu and stuff? Uninvited or whatever. Oh, like yeah. that that game's arguably equally gory. Well, granted, it's heavily censored. The U.S. version is heavily censored, but still, like pretty. I don't. I don't think it's any gorier or not than this game. So that's one reason. There's two other potential reasons why it didn't come over here. Two, it's a very obscure movie that people, even in Japan, don't really know about the movie. It's only famous because of the video game at this point. <laughs> um, so they didn't they didn't know about the rights and bringing it over here, and that's a theory. The other theory is that RPGs in 1989 were not popular at all in the United yeah, States. Yeah, yeah, so, so um, bringing it over here probably would have been a waste at the time. Um would, so, yeah, I would also is, imagine licensing and rights is probably what also played, I'm going to guess, probably played a big role in um, yeah, Resident Evil sure. not being an actual Sweet Home remake, but... Right, yeah, with the, with the movie. And also, like, why why remake, like, an obscure movie, well, whatever, it's a different different tangent. It just, it seems like it would make more sense to create your own original IP than to uh, rehash something like that. But. Yeah, and Shinji Mikami would go on, the creator or director of the original Resident Evil, would go on to remake his own series in the future with The Evil Within. Oh, yeah. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a whole all the way down. Lots of history with this game. But let's get into our ranking. Last week, we added Resident Evil at number four. Our list goes from number one, of course, Super Mario 64, all the way down to the latest to last game, 138 Dark Castle, which we added uh, two weeks ago. Uh, So Sweet Home. Again, like I said, probably one of the most influential games on the Famicom NES. Very influential. I thought it was super novel. I thought it was like some of the items... um, figuring out the puzzles was was interesting i didn't find it super cryptic a lot of the time there are some parts that are extremely cryptic like very nes but for the most part you can figure out puzzles on your own which for an nes game that's like a (laughs) thing that didn't really happen um a couple other things music's pretty good we talked about that um you can save anywhere which is like that's a great that's uh awesome for the time period And then, of course, the the annoying things for me was the menu system. Making anything to do with the menus was cumbersome. Uh, managing five party members is fucking annoying. Uh, some of the some of the items were, especially the boards. Fuck the boards. <laughs> the boards that you have to lay down in gaps. And then, and then and possibly you, they could break. And then it's like it's like they give you like a little hint. It's like, well, make sure you do this to like save somebody when they fall through a board. But uh, there's all. There's only, you can only walk across it three times and then it breaks. Yeah. Every board. Super annoying. And if you have three people in your party, it like just breaks when you walk through it, walk over it once. It's, oh, right. That was really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. This is a game that, uh, because of the permadeath fear, like, I was just saving like nonstop as I was playing through this. But yeah, this is, um, like, your, the stuff you raised, like, I feel like we kind of went through it, like, very, like, it sounds like we just went through it quickly, but, like, those kind of quality of life complaints, like, we just kind of talked about, like, the managing of the party members, the item management, you know, things like that. Like, it's just, it's such a huge part of the gameplay that, like, this is, like, why it's hard, because it's, like, I feel like this is a super influential game. A game that I, like, I just think those were bad creative choices. Like, they weren't, like, they were, like technical limitations or things like that i think it was like somebody was going for like a dragon quest 
like aesthetic and feel yeah, and vibe, sure. and I think yeah. it was probably the wrong decision to probably make from a gameplay standpoint. But like again, it's like I feel bad like going. Well, this like is he'll be back from enjoying the game because like again, it's not like a broken feature or anything like that. It's just someone made a creative decision that I didn't I didn't enjoy, but I can't say there's something wrong with it. It's like it's like a your mileage may vary type thing. But yeah. uh, but oh god, did it like hold me back so much like from really like wanting to like, dive into this game? But because everything else, I just feel like you're just so passionate, oozes the creativity, and you know, it's such a unique experience, but. Those gameplay choices. So, hard. It's hard. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a range. It's a very wide range. But I think this it goes somewhere in between these two games. And it's like it's like 30, 30 spaces in between <laughs> these two games. But um I don't think it's as good as Sweet Odin as for an RPG comparison. But I think it's better than Portopia serial murder case. Where's Suikoden? Suikoden is at uh, 87 and Portopia serial murder case is at 114. Um, and I could see it going more towards the Portopia serial murder case, but I thought that's where would be a good spot to begin unless you want it to go below Portopia serial murder. No, case. I was, I was right around Portopia because I feel like these are two, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play the bingo card. I'm not going to say two different games. I'm going to say I'm actually they're two similar games in the sense they feel like they kind of have like a bit of a legacy uh, to them. Obviously, I think Sweet Home has obviously the much larger, greater legacy. But, um, you know, like they're... It's, it's hard. It's like they're Famicom exclusives that... Uh, both two games they've been wanting to play for a long time. And I think the story in Partopia like drove me forward a whole lot more. Granted, it's a point-and-click game, not like an RPG, but I feel like Protopia was making me more invested and maybe want to keep pushing forward a little bit, a little bit more, but it's also, that's like a very, like, personal stylistic choice. But, like, you know, but then Gunsmoke is, like, right above it, and it's, like, that's just, like, a super fun Western shmup that I go, oh, yeah, I'd play this, uh, I'd play Gunsmoke, uh, any day of the week over uh, Sweet Home, unfortunately, right now. It's just... Uh... Yeah. I think it's just... I think there's more interesting ideas in Sweet Home than in Gunsmoke. Absolutely. I think the Absolutely. game, like, is more... Aside from the menu system, if we could get around the menu system, I feel like that game would be fun to, to, to play with. Um, but the menu system and the inventory for me, but I, and those are like the inventories, like super, like that was their choice. They were like, this is, we want to make a survival horror game. We're inventing this and right, we right. want to have those three inventory slots so that it makes it harder. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's what's hard. It's like, it's like, I feel like the gameplay choices and they were literally choices that were made. Like, I feel like they're so cumbersome to kind of play through. That's, like, what makes it hard. It's, like, I feel like a couple simple quality of life refinements make this a game that's, like, instantly, like, you know, 30, 40 numbers higher in our list. But it's yeah. just, um, God, it's, like, it's just cumbersome gameplay that's just really such a drag, you know? Um, that's the hard thing about this. This is why I keep saying it's hard. It's hard because, like, it seems like <laughs> such a... Uh, fantastic idea wrapped around like gameplay choices that just um kind of create like barriers to a lot of people i would think 
in my like perfect world, I would put this at 108, but I think um I think when we're talking when I'm talking to you about specifically this game, I think it would land pretty effectively at 112 for the purposes of our compromising. Yeah, I I agree cuz I think Deja Vu is a much more polished adventure experience uh, in the sense like there's not, well, I mean, I don't know, if you like point and click games, it's, it's a pretty polished one. And then, uh, don't I mean, it, it held up pretty... You stay the fuck away from my Godzilla puzzle games. Talk to here on, this, on the show. Come on. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's like, it's getting compared against like some, some ar- arcade games, like with Gunsmoke and Paperboy that I just, um, I just think I just think they're more satisfying experiences overall. I wish, and I wish that wasn't the case. I wish this game was um, a more satisfying uh, gameplay experience, but unfortunately, it's just it's just not. So should we add it at one twelve? Let's do it one twelve. You got it. Number one hundred and twelve. We have a new one. Our hundred and thirty ninth game on the list. It is Sweet Home. And Spooktober is officially over. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> I hate scary games. I don't think I don't know if anybody gets it out there, but I hate scary games. <laughs> well, you know, for the most part, we'll we'll never play Alien Isolation ever again. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that game. The game was scary. Sometimes I uh, I only bought Alien Isolation for the purposes of this podcast, and sometimes when I'm uh, thinking of a game to play, I like kind of shuffle through the games of my PS4 collection. And I come across Alien Isolation, and sometimes I have a moment where I go, "Should I play this tonight?" For several hours, that I think back on uh, our podcasting experience around this game, and I go, "Nope, nope, nope." So I I just played Resident Evil Two Remake. The first I played the Leon's portion. And um, the big thing in that is Mr. X, the guy that hunts you down and chases you. And, like, that's supposed to be scary. But after playing Alien Isolation, like, Mr. X is, like, a fucking toy. Yeah, like, like I, uh, not to rehash our, our podcast in Alien Isolation, but, like I said in that podcast, like, the moment where it was, like, I was going in the hallway and I knew I kind of botched something and made too much noise and the alien heard me and it was like i turned around the alien is looking at me all the way down the hallway that was like literally like something out of like a nightmare i have i have had like in life and it was just like i'll just never forget that moment and i don't need to play a game to invite more moments like that into my life (laughs) well congratulations sweet home you're on new number 112 chris we're adding a game next week we're we're uh we're not doing the three games and then a movie. We're having four games and a movie. Yeah, we're um, we're so, we're literally flipping the schedule around so we can have brunch one day. But um, we are going we're to be... flipping the schedule around so that we can flip some burgers. That's right. It's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> burger time next week. Yes, finally, it's called to me. It's called out to me. The game. It's wanted me to play it, and I love the game. It's time for burgers. It's the burger, it's time. burger time next week on the podcast. Get ready. <laughs> uh, so, but we'll be back next week. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. How do you uh, when you order a burger at a restaurant? How do you order it cooked? 
um, burnt to a cinder, burnt like my child that I put into a furnace. Oh, that was first. That was a good callback, but also just um, really a fucking disappointing answer. Medium rare. Was the, <laughs> medium rare was the correct answer. I ate a medium rare burger recently. That's how I do. That's how I get it. That's correct. Good. We'll talk good. about burgers medium next week. Yeah. On the podcast. Bye, bye Chris. Goodbye.